Welcome to the Agile Weekly Podcast. I'm Jade Meskill. I'm Roy Vandewater. And I'm Derek Neighbors. So uh, we wanted to talk today about um, the power that autonomy can give to a team. Uh, we've, we've worked with some teams where uh, their autonomy has been severely restricted and not seen good results. We've worked with teams that have been given autonomy and seen some really good results. We wanted to talk about why is autonomy so important to high-performing teams and what are some ways that you can get it? Cool. So let's start with, uh, like, what are, what are some of the problems that we've seen where, or what are some signs that a team is lacking autonomy? I think, I think first off, the sign where somebody proposes an idea and it gets shot down because somebody may not like it or we'd have to ask somebody else first. Somebody on the team, somebody in authority. <laughs> Yeah, just in general, like like if I were to propose an idea and Derek's response would be, "Oh, like I don't I don't know if we can do that. Like we we should be careful." Like that tells me we might upset somebody. Right. So so fear. Yeah, yeah. I think a lot of fear. Um, I I think a lot of when you see the like it's not really my problem, right? The not not that it's not my problem, but like I can't do like helplessness, like victimhood, mm. right? Like. Like, we'd really like to do that, but... Yeah, it sounds great. Or, like, just the apathy, right? Like, there's no motive. Usually when I see low autonomy, I see low motivation. Like, no passion, no motivation. Because it's like, hey... So, we, so, is we, one, so which one's the symptom of which? Is, like, the no motivation the symptom of not having autonomy? Or is having no autonomy a result of having no motivation? Um, I think that if you have high autonomy, you tend to be more passionate and more motivated because you know whatever you put into it, you are able to reap that, where if you have no autonomy, basically you're just implementing somebody else's way to do it. So if I think that your way is not the best way to do it, and I think I have a better way, Mm -hmm. how am I going to get excited about doing it a way that I don't think is a better way? Sure. So is that... that's important. That's an important part of motivation is like owning owning your outcomes. Because otherwise, like it doesn't matter how much effort you put into it, it, does, it doesn't make a difference anyway. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I, th- I think just doing work to do work's sake is somewhat soul sucking, right? So if that's you're the American able, way, Derek. Yes, it is. <laughs> if you're able to do work the way that you feel is the best way to do work, that makes that 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 covers a multitude of sins. Maybe is the right way to say it. Just because you have autonomy, will you have um, you know, a ton of motivation and be passionate? No, you have to have purpose too. But you can have purpose. But if you're not able to uh, do the things you feel are the right things to do, that drive is going to drop pretty quick, right? So if it's like, yeah, I'm really excited about like why we're doing this, but then like everything you want to do to make it happen get shot down, or get, you have to do it a different way, like that's going to erode that passion and that. So I agree. drive pretty quickly. So I agree with that. I think some people are good at pretending. Like if they don't have the autonomy to still pretend about the passion, I I could I would almost say that. No, I'm, I will say that if you have people that don't have autonomy and they still act, uh, like good people should should be unmotivated unless they have autonomy. Like you know what I mean. So they're going to lose their motivation quickly if they realize they don't have that autonomy? Right. That we're saying? Like, I would consider it a smell if somebody didn't have autonomy, but they were still super passionate about the, what they were doing. Like, I would be, like, it may not be at an immediate indicator that something is wrong, but I would be concerned. Yeah, and I, I think for most people, it's not until 
they're not able to get the results. I, I don't think it's no, so much like uh, you don't have autonomy that that's the problem, but the first time that you think that there's a better way to do something or that you have a better idea right. or that there's a better way to solve a problem and you get shot down and the answer is because I'm the parent and I said so, mm-hmm. like that, that is totally like will suck the life right out well, of a, a team or an individual. I mean, that's usually the defining moment where you wake up. Right, because sure. a, a lot of people and a lot of teams don't have any sort of control over their own destiny, right. um, but they're they're blissfully ignorant. Right, if if I'm working solo or if I'm kind of just doing tasks, that's true. Uh, a lot of times I don't even see so that I, I don't have that thing. So, sorry, revise what I said earlier. Just because somebody may not may still be able to feign passion from not having autonomy, they may just be ignorant because they don't know how good they could have it. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I see, I see a lot of motivation go away sometimes when those teams wake up and realize uh, <laughs> that they're in that, a cage. That they're, yeah, that they are that they are being held back. So, so I think that that is Roy. You bring up a really good point. Is I think from kindergarten, pretty much, we are we have our autonomy stripped out of us in school. Sure. And I think a lot of parenting styles strip a lot of autonomy away from children because they want compliance. So a heck of a lot easier to deal with a kid that's just compliant rather right. than a kid that is inquisitive and doing things. And so I think a lot of people, they don't even know what that reality looks like anymore. And what I see is on teams that, that we tend to work with and we give them a taste of that, it, it gets really hard. You, you made it a point. It gets really hard to put, put them back in the cage like once you experience a little bit of freedom is really, really difficult to go back. So if you're in a cage all the time, no big deal. If somebody opens the door, you probably won't leave the cage. It's like being a tame right. tiger. But once you're let out of the cage and you're able to run freely like over, you know, a vast uh, you know, fact, multitude of places and do a bunch of things and then somebody says, Okay, it's time to go back in the cage, like that is that's demoralizing. Right, but but you kinda have the opposite too. Like it reminds me of this great picture I saw one time of like uh of like a uh a guy in a cage and he's got like all the locks on the inside and he's got all the keys, but he's hiding there because it's safe. Right. Right. Like I think, I feel like that's what a lot of these, the, these people that are in their cages have is like, yeah, like I know I'm not free and I don't, I know I don't know how good I could have it, but like it might also be really scary and difficult and I don't want to deal with that. Like I'd much rather stay in here where it's safe and I'll just come to work from nine to five, do what I'm told to go home and then I'll, I can be my true self the rest of the time. Well, and I, I think it's pretty crazy because if you look at some of the best companies in the world, um, you know, they, they switched, I think from trying to necessarily hire the brightest people mm-hmm. to hiring the most impassioned autonomous people. Meaning I think good companies learned that one of the easiest ways to scale is to hire people who are capable of knowing the right things to do and doing them and not needing a whole lot of management, just needing some leadership to kind of push them along. And I think what you're seeing is you're seeing some key areas around the world that are attracting the most people like that. Because again, once you realize that freedom and you see what that looks like and you're attracted to it, like people are that are interested in that are flocking to those areas. And you're starting to see other areas be able to not compete nearly as much, right? Like, you know, the, the big Fortune 500 companies are having a harder and harder time getting and keeping good people. Like, they're losing them to the five-person company that's becoming a hundred-person company all the time. And I, I think that that's hard. I mean, like, that's a massive culture change has to take place, you know, basically what we see in 
most companies we go into is their middle management and upper management got to where they were at because they were really good at removing autonomy. So to come in and say, like, nope, you need to go their way and let people be autonomous, like, that is just not in the nature of the people that are there. So what does, what does autonomy look like in an organization on a team? I think on a team, by definition, if a team is autonomous, it has to be very, uh, the team itself has to be very flat. Like having any form of hierarchy within the team kills the autonomy because then really you only have autonomy at the top of the team and the entire team is not autonomous. You know what I mean? Right. Well, I think that I think the more authority structure you have, the more easy it is for people to defer and accountability hide, and hide for, hide behind their authority. Well, figures. I think they can hide behind the accountability, right? So it becomes well, if if Jade and I need to make this decision and you're the boss, sure, and we're not really sure on it. Or you, you making the decision is going to hurt Jade's feelings, even though you know right. it's the right thing to do. What are the cases like? There's contention of some kind around, like, is this the right decision? We could be wrong. Mm-hmm. If there's a boss, we can go and say, like, hey, we're not really sure. What do you think? Right and now, now what so we, like if I'm now, the boss, now, now it's my responsibility. We've actually removed the autonomy away from ourselves and put it into your hands, right. which uh, would sound bad compared to everything we just said. But what we're really doing is now we're moving the accountability to you. Mm-hmm. Well, now once the accountability is yours, the problem is now you're going to want to control more and more things because you're the one that's going to be held responsible when somebody comes to Jade and I and we go, well, it's not our fault. Like, right. Roy's the one who told us that. So I'm, gonna, so to I'm incentivized that. to start micromanaging the crap out of you guys exactly. because now I'm on the. It, it, yeah, on the and so if you, I think if you, if you flatten that structure or eliminate some of that, like, authority chain, it, 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 it takes away. The like human nature to try to, to push the accountability mm-hmm. to somebody else. So that's the flip side of the coin for autonomous teams is they are highly accountable teams. That is correct. Right. And that forces you guys to make, like in that hypothetical scenario, like you guys would be forced to make better decisions because you're also being held responsible for it. You can't just, you know, even though you know something is the right thing, like you might choose not to do it because you're like, who cares? Roy's the it, one who's getting it at least gives us anyway. the opportunity to make better decisions. Yeah, yeah right? you might we, still be dumb on purpose. Well, well, well <laughs> that's, I think that's your problem. I think the thing that's hard is it's hard to not care anymore because yep. whatever the result is, we're responsible for that. So even if we're not super passionate about whatever it is we're doing, we probably care about what the result is because there's something else that we care about that that's tied to if i need to bring a paycheck home to pay my mortgage i care about that i get a paycheck so maybe i'm not super passionate about this particular thing but i'm passionate about a paycheck i can no longer just say like i don't really care and at the end of the day if it goes wrong roy's gonna get fired not me hey now if it goes wrong like i've got to start to to care about this thing at a different level so the the simple definition of autonomy is self-governance within a limit like what what does it look like in an organization made up of autonomous teams? How does that even function? How does it scale? Yeah. I, I didn't say that. How does it function? <laughs> when you have more than one autonomous team. Yeah, I mean, I, I think some of it depends on how much those teams need to interact with each other. Right? I mean, I, I think where we've seen it go fairly well is when they're able to break them down kind of by product. Right, so you've got some product and it's you know, something where you can get a result at that level. Right? So if, if, if I'm going to go bring on this product, I can kind of own the results for whether this product goes well or not. And so I should be given a fairly high level of autonomy on things that pertain directly to the product that I'm working on. 
right? Because I should own that result as much as possible. Sure. But then there's other parts, other systems, other parts of the organization that I probably don't have a ton of autonomy on because I don't really own the results of those. But I should probably have either influence or have um, some ability to interact with that. So so we talked to historic, uh, like in the past, we've talked about the importance of members of a team being aligned with each other. I think in this case, in order for two teams to work effectively, they must also have some form of alignment where they are headed in the same direction. Like if we're two competing products, it's going to be pretty difficult to get us to cooperate. But if, if we're trying to like both make each other better, it, it'll be a lot easier. Yeah, I, I tend to say that to me, the answer is probably leadership and culture. Right? So if you've got strong leadership in an organization, they can set the vision and the direction and the alignment and get all of the teams to basically align to them and have influence to them, right? Which is not the same as control or like micromanaging everything the teams do, but instead say like we're all shooting for this goal. Mm-hmm. And so everything you should be doing should be moving that goal forward in some way should be helping us achieve that vision. And then I think from a culture perspective, that kind of sets the tone for behavior, right? If we say all culture is is kind of the manifestation of the behaviors within an organization, uh, good leadership should be trying to model the culture that they want to um, have exist, right? And if people have an aligned culture and aligned vision, it should be pretty easy to talk to each other. Mm -hmm. So what would we recommend for... Uh, a team that finds itself in this challenge, right? They, they've realized that their lack of autonomy is preventing them from being as successful as they could be. What do they do? So I think the first thing the team starts doing is, as a team, start um, taking responsibility for their behavior as a team. Because as soon as you start taking responsibility, that's when you start building trust. And the more trust you gain, the more autonomy you're going to be given. Yeah, I definitely say get results by doing what you say you're going to do. I think the second thing I would really encourage is look at the vision of the company and look at the culture the company is trying to put forward and see if you can start to align to that. And the other big one is probably find um, somebody to give you support or um, to help you, right? So whether that be you know the direct boss of the current team, or whether that be the boss's boss, or whether that be a lateral boss, somebody who can set can help champion when you run into things, you know. So you know if you do the things that you say you're going to do, you could probably do some of that without necessarily a ton of autonomy. Sure. Like somebody else is telling me what to do, but when I say I'm going to do it, I actually get it done. I build some good rapport. I but build you, the ability. But you earn autonomy that way. I, and so I earn the ability to say, will you take a risk on me on this mm-hmm. next thing? Like I have this idea and I know it's really hard for you to support it, but I've really done everything that I said I've been going to do and I've been getting results with it. Would you, you know, entertain letting me do this, giving me an hour, two hours, a week, something sure. to do that, right? But then I think it's also building that relationship a little bit up the food chain to say, like, hey, this is what I'm trying to do and I think this would be really good and get, getting somebody that gives some of that support so when you start to hit those roadblocks, you have somebody that can say, like, hey, you really should give them a try. You really should, you know, maybe let this happen. Or, you know, hey, I've, right. I've done that, right? So it's building those relationships, too. I, I think, I don't want to say be careful, but I was, I was going to say something along, along the lines of, like, be aware that uh, there are tons of companies that have a stated company culture that nobody in that company lives. And if you truly try to live by the company's stated culture, you're going you're gonna, to, you know, rub almost everybody the wrong way, even all the way to the top, and you're going to have a huge amount of problems. And if, if you feel like that's the right thing to do, like you should, you should absolutely do it, but there might be consequences. 
And I think if you're trying to hit those things, the nice thing is you can ask, hey, I'm just trying to do what the value set, or hey, I'm just trying to achieve this vision. And is that cascades up? Usually middle managers don't like that very much, but the higher you get, those people really do want those values, right? It might be hard for them to do them as well, but they do want to see them. It might be hard for them to digest your tactics. Right. Right. You might be willing to take it further than they imagined possible. (laughs) Well, that's all the time that we have for today. We'll catch you next time on the Agile Weekly Podcast. Is there something you'd like to hear in a future episode? Head over to integramtech.com slash podcast where you can suggest a topic or a guest. Looking for an easy way to stay up to date with the latest news, techniques, and events in the Agile community? Sign up today at agileweekly.com. It's the best Agile content delivered weekly for free. The Agile Weekly podcast is brought to you by Integram Technologies and recorded at Gangplank Studios in Chandler, Arizona. For old episodes, check out integramtech.com or subscribe on iTunes. Need help with your Agile transition? Have a question and need to phone a friend? Try calling the Agile Hotline. It's free. Call 866-244-8656.